welcome way. Ote. Okay. Who? E they. Ishte. Oddcast pay. We do not serve an audience of pig Latin speakers. How do you know? Have you gone and surveyed every individual listener of our show? Every porcine Latin? You have to be... I never understood the pig part of pig Latin. Like, like why? Why pig? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that I'm a pig Latin expert, as you clearly heard. In fact, I'm speaking at a pig Latin conference next week. You're bilingual. (laughs) Bilingual in pig Latin. Uh, And the voice you're hearing of this pig Latin expert is Nick Amell. I'm your host. I'm joined by... This Igpe on the other line here. Yeah, I'm Brandon. I'm your sidekick host. Sidekick host Igpe. And today we are covering a top 10-ish list because that's what we do on the show. We cover top 10 or so lists. Every week one of us brings a list with some notes and research. The other doesn't know what the list is and they try to guess items 1 through 10. And today is the groundbreaking, legendary, historic, benchmark, milestone episode 140, Brandon. You've surely brought us a list. Amazing topic. So what a is list. it? So we're going to put the ish part of our title into play today. We're going to talk about Saturday Night Live hosts. Oh, okay. Who has hosted the most times? You might remember a Saturday Night Live sketch. I think it was probably in the late 90s where Tom Hanks. Oh, shit. Cut that out. Tom Hanks. Uh yeah, you might remember a Saturday Night Live sketch in, the, I think, the late 90s, maybe early 2000s, where some hosts inducted another host into the Five Timers Club, an exclusive club for those who have hosted Saturday Night Live five or more times. This list is composed of those who are now technically in the Five Timers Club. So everyone on this list has hosted Saturday Night Live five or more times, many of them many more than five times, but we are only going to cover those ranked in the top six. There's seven total hosts that we're going to talk today because there's a tie for fourth place, but we're going to cover the top six because there are five celebrities tied for seventh place and seven tied for eighth place. So we're not going to go through all those. It's no who's lo- got time for that shit? Yeah, it's no longer an exclusive club. But we are going to talk about those who are in the most exclusive part of the exclusive five-timers club. These are all of those who have hosted seven or more times. Like I said, this is the top six. Yeah. And there are two number fours. There is a tie at number four. Now, Saturday Night Live, remind me, is that the show that Alex Trebek hosted where he'd ask... Uh, you're flailing. <laughs> I'm flailing. Saturday Night Live started in 1975. I don't know. Do you, everybody knows what Saturday Night Live is. On a scale of one being, I can't stand it, and 10 being, I never miss an episode, where do you fall on how much you enjoy Saturday Night Live? Just overall, not currently, but overall. Three, maybe four. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I've never sat and watched a live Saturday Night Live in my life. All I've done is seen clips here and there. I'd say the percentage in which I laugh is less than 50%. Sort of in the same boat in terms of laughs, but I have watched considerably more more Saturday Night Live, including like clips of older stuff that I didn't catch when it aired. The older stuff is what I find funnier usually with like... I watched it live during the 90s as like like a middle and high schooler. I remember thinking that was a big deal to stay up and watch it and be able to like talk about it and really have not watched it much at all since then. Some of it's funny, but like it's just way more misses than hits. What year did you say it started? 1975. Was it always a rotating guest host like that? No, they, in fact, two of them in particular that hosted a lot very early on. Uh, So, no, they did not have a different host each week. There was always a host, but many times, like, you would be, like, the same host would host many episodes in a season. Okay. One more question, and then I'm ready to guess. Mm -hmm. Is the number one person, how many appearances do they have compared to the number six? Number six has seven appearances. Number one has 17. Uh All right. Well, let's do it then. 
Should I crush this list and dominate it as I do or should I take my time? You can try, but there is there is one on here that I am 99% positive you, you won't get. You will not have heard of him. He is tied for number four and he did get most of his hosting appearances in within the first year or so of Saturday Night Live. And like I said, I don't think you've heard of him. In fact, maybe I should just start us out with him. Okay, sure. Since okay. you're here. I'm going to start us out with the gentleman who's tied for number four with 10 total appearances as host of Saturday Night Live. His name is Buck Henry. Listen to the show. He's dead. Have you ever heard of Buck Henry? Now, was he the one that was in that silly vampire trilogy called Twilight? <laughs> no. To me, the name Buck Henry sounded familiar, but I thought it was someone who used to star in westerns. It sounds like the name. Yeah, that's what it sounds, it sounds like. like the name me. of someone who would have, been, you know, co-starred with John Wayne. It's not. Buck Henry was born Henry Zuckerman in 1930. He died just last year, January 8th, 2020, at the age of 89. He was an American actor, screenwriter, and director. Now, a lot of his credits I don't recognize, but it just seems like he was integral in the first few years of Saturday Night Live. Uh, Henry hosted Saturday Night Live 10 times between 1976 and 1980, making him the show's most frequent host during its initial five-year run. It became a tradition during those years for Henry to host the final show of each season, beginning with the 76-77 season. During one episode, in October 30th, 1976, Henry was injured in the forehead by John Belushi's katana in the Samurai sketch. I don't know if you ever saw this, but John Belushi used to play like a samurai, fucking samurai. And the one that I saw was this guy, Buck Henry, goes in and he, it's, a, it's like a samurai deli and he just uses his fucking... A samurai deli. The giant katana blade to cut the sandwiches. And also Buck Henry's head. He accidentally struck Henry in the head with the katana. His head began to bleed and he was forced to wear a bandage on his forehead for the rest of that show. As a gag, the rest of the members of the cast also wore bandages on their foreheads for the rest of the show. Now, a couple of questions here. Mm -hmm. You said the samurai what? The katuna? The, ka the sword of a samurai is called a katana. Did you know that before reading this? Yeah, I've known it since you I... You didn't fucking know that. Okay, well, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> yes, I have since I was a kid. Katana <laughs> came up during my Ninja Turtle craze. Uh, okay. And more recently, Katana is constantly referenced in the game Ghosts of Tsushima. Okay. And... So, fuck you and your Katana ignorance. Well, you cheated because you watched Ninja Turtles. Right. So I cheated by happen. having knowledge ahead of time. <laughs> also, this reminds me, unrelated, of a sketch mm -hmm. on the Amanda show on Nickelodeon. <laughs> Uh -huh. decades later where there'd be, there was a barber shop and the hairstylist would cut off the ears on accident of the customers and she'd just toss them into a giant ear barrel and there was a barrel full of ears. <laughs> and I, so that happened too. Well, the last, my... <laughs> oh, I got two little bits here about uh, Buck Henry. A quote from Buck Henry that I liked was he said, I don't like to write with people because if they aren't as funny as me, I hate them. And if they are funnier than me, I hate them. Wow. You know, it's a joke. One of his most infamous appearances in a Saturday Night Live sketch was as Uncle Roy, a single pedophilic babysitter. That's not good. Uh, the three skits in which Uncle Roy, the pedophile babysitter, appeared, they remain controversial to this day. I tried to find them on YouTube and they're not there. This was back in the 70s when pedophilia was funny, I guess. Evidently, right. it was not even funny back then. <laughs> People were very, very upset by it. Well, but how about we just keep pedophilia out of comedy in general? I'm going to leave it to the experts. And it's not, <laughs> I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. By the way, I looked up this guy, Buck Henry. Mm -hmm. Uh, some recent shit he did that people might recognize him from is he was in uh, 30 Rock for two episodes as Dick Lemon. Mm -hmm. He was in Law and Order SVU in 2012. He's in hot in Cleveland. So, he, he has some recent work too before he died. Yeah. Uh, so, that's Buck Henry tied for fourth place with 10 appearances. Is everyone in this top six like 
in the first, you know, half of SNL's run? No. Everyone else listed in the top six here is a household name. Okay. They are uber famous. In fact, everyone else on the list is, I have a is extremely famous. Okay. SNL alum, I think. Steve Martin. You are not alone in thinking that Steve Martin is a Saturday Night Live alum. He was actually never a cast member, but because he has appeared as a host 15 times and is number two mm-hmm. on our list, it is a common assumption I knew it. that he uh, was a cast member. But he might as well be from all the time he spent on there. Yeah, Steve Martin is number two. I mean, 15 appearances on one show. I mean, you're basically a cast member, yeah. honestly. So, Steve Martin's first appearance was October 23rd, 1976. Jesus. His fifth appearance was April 22nd, 1978. So, it took him only one year and 181 days to reach the Five Timers Club. But his most recent hosting appearance was January 31st, 2009. I guess I just forgot that he was already famous in the 70s. Yeah. But that makes sense when you see how old he is. Yeah. He is by far, in my opinion, the funniest person on this list. Probably the most talented overall. And the one I was probably the most excited to talk about. So Stephen Glenn Martin was born August 14th, 1945. He is an American actor, comedian, writer, producer, and musician. Over his distinguished career, he has earned five Grammys, a Primetime Emmy. He was awarded an Honorary Academy Award. Among many honors, he has also received the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor, Kennedy Center Honors, and an AFI Lifetime Achievement Award. In 2004, Comedy Central ranked Martin at sixth place on a list of the 100 greatest stand-up comics. Behind Dane Cook, right? (laughs) Right. Also, did you say he won six Grammys? Isn't that music? He has earned five Grammy Awards. Oh, five Grammys? He may have earned some of those Grammys for his comedy albums, but he has won Grammy okay. Award. He won at least one Grammy Award for Best Bluegrass Album. Oh, yeah. You know, now that you mentioned that, I remember that he does that. Yeah, but... and we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that a little bit in a moment. Now, although you knew he was a stand-up comedian, I think the image that a lot of people have of, of him as a stand-up comedian are him with the arrow through the head. Mm-hmm. Although many critics were disdainful of his overtly silly act early in his career, its postmodern nature was admired by avant-garde filmmakers David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick, both of whom approached Martin to appear in ultimately unproduced comedy films. So both David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick wanted to make comedy film with him. I like how you said that the critics were disdainful as well. That's such a strong word. It's like the kept, it, it implies to me that it like kept him up at night. I can't believe that fucking Steve Martin thinks he can just wear an arrow. I don't know. I wonder if it did keep him up at night or if he knew that like, no, this is, this is the path. No, not him. Oh. Like it kept the critics up at oh. night because they were so angry uh, his at success. Steve Martin. Yeah. I want to take a moment and highlight my favorite Steve Martin films, Mm. and I'm interested to know which of these you have seen. Okay. The Jerk. I saw that long time ago. I remember almost nothing. Deserves a rewatch. The Three Amigos. No. Three Amigos is definitely in like my top 10 funniest movies of all time. Who are the other Amigos? The other Amigo, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and another person well, don't don't look it up because the other actor okay. is also on this list today well martin short you know how we love martin short here on this podcast i love steve martin as much as i love martin short and three amigos has both of them they should have gotten martin lawrence in there too and then you'd have three martins <laughs> He's probably like 24 years old <laughs> could have just called them the three martins planes trains and automobiles i have seen that one and that one's my favorite with him and Parenthood. I don't know if I've seen that one. Parenthood is the kind of comedy that I saw it as a kid and I thought it was funny, but as an adult, having kids now is infinitely more funny. I highly recommend it. It's a Ron Howard movie. And this is all behind your real favorite, which is Pink Panther, right? I did not see the Pink Panther, but I do think his accent was funny in it from the little clips that I saw. 
Yeah, Steve Martin doesn't do a ton of high-profile stuff anymore. He's definitely busy. But one of the last things that I saw him in was An Evening You Will Forget for the Rest of Your Life, a special on Netflix with him and Martin Short. And it's like an hour or so long comedy special. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. But he has upcoming stuff too. In fact, he has an upcoming Hulu show with Martin Short. Yeah, Martin Short... Something about Martin Short. I don't know. Everything. I don't know what like, I'm saying. He, he can't help it. Like everything he does is funny. <laughs> everything, every word out of his mouth is funny. Yeah. So, Steve Martin has increasingly dedicated his career to music since the 2000s. He's acting less. He's spending more of his time in pr- his professional life playing the banjo, recording and touring with various bluegrass acts including Earl Scruggs, with whom he won a a Grammy for Best Country Instrumental Performance in 2002. He's also written novels, plays, and musicals. He is skilled with a rope or a lasso, and he did his own rope work for Three Amigos. Oh, him too, huh? Yeah. It's good to talk about a fellow rope enthusiast. Uh Uh-huh. He also plays the harmonica. It's something I knew about him but did not, I guess did not fully understand the extent is uh, his art collection. He's been an avid art collector since 1968 when he bought a print by Ed Rusha. In 2001, the Bellagio Gallery of Fine Art presented a five-month exhibit of 28 items from Steve Martin's collection, including works by Roy Lichtenstein, Stein, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm not, Hmm. I took one semester of art history, I don't remember nothing. Roy Lichtenstein. Pablo Picasso, David Hockney, and Edward Hopper. In 2006, he sold Hopper's hotel window at Sotheby's auction for $26.8 million. God. Steve Martin not only is funny, a good actor, his ass can also play a bunch of instruments, and now he's like a, he has a ma- really good art collector. Yeah, he's a true uh, renaissance man. Uh, contrary to popular belief, as we talked about earlier, Steve Martin was never a cast member on Saturday Night Live. He does hold the record for most guest appearances on the show. He has 25 total guest appearances on the show with hosting 15 times. Yeah. He became a father. Okay, so all the stuff you know about him, he's uh-huh. kind of overwhelming, impressive, intimidating. Mm-hmm. Also, he became a father for the first time at age 67. What the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck? That's crazy. Like one of the wildest facts on here. And it's something that almost any man could technically do. But yeah, it was one of the like, holy shit. Okay. So, so his wife is much younger than has to be. His wife, I believe, is younger. Yeah. The last note I have on Steve Martin is, I don't know if he still carries this, but it says he has a business card that reads, this certifies that you have had a personal encounter with me and that you found me warm, polite, intelligent, and funny. Sorry, I'm still reeling from the child thing at age 67. It doesn't seem like that should be the most amazing thing about him, but... Well, I mean, I know that obviously that happens in the world. It's not like the first time I've heard of that, but it's just kind of uh, sticks out to me because he's had this amazing life, like as much success as anyone could ever hope for. He got to live his life as a single man, and now he still also, in his later life, gets to experience fatherhood. So it's like this guy has figured out every cheat code to having a successful life. Hell of an ass too to boot. He's got it. He's got it. All right. So that was number two, Steve Martin with 15. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't think this guy's in it, but uh, I'll guess it. Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey is not on, uh, not even in the, yeah, he has, he's not in the five timers club. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like these comedians, uh, not Steve Carell. Who's other? Oh, uh, Will Ferrell was a alum. Will Ferrell is in the Five Timers Club. He is one of the seven tied for eighth place. Well, number one has to be Martin Short. Or, or sorry, Martin Lawrence. <laughs> Martin Neither Lawrence. Martin Short nor Martin Lawrence are in the Five Timers Club. I really thought Big Mama's House 2 would have propelled Martin Lawrence to... All right. Are there any ladies in the top six? No. There are in the top nine, uh, but not in the top six. Tina Fey, one of those? Tina Fey is one of the five tied for seventh place with six hosting appearances. Okay. Um, what about Mike Myers? Mike Myers has not made the Five Timers Club. Will Smith. Will Smith is not in the Five Timers Club. John Candy. 
No. I don't know that John... I don't even know if he hosted. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ooh, Adam Sandler. No, Sandler is not in the... I'm struggling. Are there any musicians in the top six? No. Are they all like comedians, funny people? One of them specifically started as a comedic actor. All of them are funny and have played comic roles, but all of them would best be described as actors. And all of them, except for one, are still currently A-list actors. All right, let's just name the one you spoiled then, Tom Hanks. Okay, Tom Hanks is tied for fourth place with Buck Henry with 10 appearances as host of Saturday Night Live. Knew it. Now, Tom Hanks, I almost decided to just scrap this and do Tom Hanks a top episode. 10 list. Yeah, Tom Hanks episode. <laughs> and I probably will at some point just because of his, he has a big body of work that everybody is familiar with. So, that makes him a good candidate. Yep, and he's also one of the leaders of QAnon. Uh, sacrificing children. So. Yeah, is maybe you know more about his QAnon uh, exploits. You'll have to fill us in because <laughs> I don't have many notes on that. So Tom Hanks, tied at fourth with ten host appearances, was born Thomas Jeffrey Hanks in Concord, California, on July 9th, nineteen fifty six. He's an American actor and filmmaker. He's known for both his comedic and dramatic roles. He's one of the most popular and recognizable film stars worldwide. Which makes me beg the question, why am I reading all this to you? He's regarded as an American cultural icon. He's America's dad. I mean, Hanks is... What? Huh? America's dad? Yeah, it said here he's been That's described... It's a weird thing to say. He's been described as America's dad. Although one of his sons keeps doing really goofy stuff on social media. So maybe he's... Maybe his record as a dad isn't, isn't that strong. You know, like one of his sons, like his uh, son Chet is the one who like spurred this meme of white boy summer. You know, if your name's Chet, first of all, you're at a real disadvantage just right off the bat. I think Chet is having a hard time finding his place in the world. <laughs> yeah. It's probably difficult to be the son of America's dad. In some ways it's difficult. In some ways it's the opposite of difficult, but yes, <laughs> yeah, I get your some point. Some might argue like, yeah. Tom Hanks's film have grossed more than $4.9 billion in North America and more than $9.96 billion worldwide, makes him the fourth highest grossing actor in North America. Now, his mom was a hospital worker. His father was something called an itinerant cook, which to me means someone who's like, cook a little here, cook a little there, where you need cooking, that's where I'm going. <laughs> he moved often. By age 10, he had lived in 10 different houses. Wow. Tom Hanks started acting in high school. He transferred to California State University, Sacramento, but he got an internship in theater production and he dropped out of college. In 2010, Time Magazine named Tom Hanks one of the top 10 college dropouts. I'm sure that I haven't seen that list, but I got to think that Mark Zuckerberg is in that list too, just because of his fucking yeah. uh, disgusting billions. I'll bet if you lined up like the most successful people in the world, now and in the past, the largest percentage of them would not have a college degree. No. Although top 10 college dropouts might be a good subject for a later list. That's a good list, yeah. His first high-profile role was starring with, uh, what was that guy's name? Scolari in uh, Boozum Buddies. Do you know what that show is about? I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about They're it. They're like young guys trying to like make it in New York. They found a good place to live, but it was like a housing place just for women. They decided that they would uh, dress in dress at, and appear as women and take on women's names just so they could have this like affordable place to live. Hijinks ensued. Would you, you personally, mm -hmm. if you saw Tom Hanks in a woman's getup, would you be uh, into her? He and Peter, it was Peter Scolari was who he co-starred with. Neither of them made for remotely attractive women. <laughs> I mean... I realized it was the 80s and this was like, a, you know, a silly concept for a sitcom to begin with, but they both looked like men wearing women's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> My underrated Tom Hanks movie recommendations are both from the 80s. Okay. The movie version of Dragnet with Dan Aykroyd and Joe versus the Volcano, his first movie with Meg Ryan. Okay. That was a 1990. I'm looking now, not the 80s, so 
Can you say even one thing true? Are we to believe anything you've said at this point? What was uh, Joe versus the volcano was in 90? Yeah. No. Well, the 90s is where he had his like, he started his like fucking powerhouse run. Mm-hmm. And that's where the things here are not underrated or overrated. They're just rated. Forrest Gump, A League of Their Own, Apollo 13, Toy Story. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. He has appeared in a Stephen King film, The Green, the Green Mile. Mile. Yep. He helped direct and produce Band of Brothers. And then my overrated slash most hated, I guess I wouldn't say hated, but my most like disliked Tom Hanks films are The Terminal. I like The Terminal. That seems like a stupid idea. And and Polar Express. We've talked about it before. Polar Express. Don't like this Polar Express. We've talked about before. The brief overview is me and Brandon think the animation style is stupid because if you're going to try to make it look as real as possible, then just fucking don't have it be animated. It's just distracting. Yeah. Now, a lot, a lot of people know this, but Tom Hanks started COVID and a lot of people are calling it the Tom Hanks disease. Mm-hmm. It's his fault. One of, like very early in the, in the, during the pandemic, Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita Wilson, announced that they had contracted COVID. He was one of like the first people to like give like updates and stuff. If I remember right, he said that they didn't have very strong symptoms, just kind of felt blah. And then he and his wife donated their blood antibodies for virus research. Bunch of hippies, am I right? But also he, if I recall, like he announced the COVID thing first and that was the first like big wake up call for America. Right, like our dad has it. Right. And then, like, either the same night or, like, within one or two days is when the NBA announced they were canceling the season. So, Tom Hanks kind of kicked off the whole thing. And I'm, yeah, I'm comfortable blaming all of it on him, like, COVID in general, if we're we're ready to do that. I've been calling it the Tom Hanks disease. My last note I have on him was I just, this is just something cool that I found. His next upcoming film is called Finch. It's based on a science fiction story. He plays an ailing inventor on post-apocalyptic Earth. He's the last man on Earth, and he builds an android to keep him and his dog company, and he goes on a journey across the country. I want to see it. Yeah. It's called Finch. Also, um, two things. I'm on his Wikipedia now. Two films coming out after Finch. Number one is Pinocchio, which is filming now. Oh. Which I'm fine if I never see another Pinocchio film, but it is what it is. But the other one I'm interested in is Elvis. Yes, I saw that too. Yeah. He's playing Colonel Tom Parker, the longtime agent or manager for Elvis. Mm-hmm. And the movie is being done by, is it Baz or Boz uh, Lerman, who did The Great Gatsby and some other good recent stuff. Yeah, this looks good. Uh, so that's Tom Hanks, possibly the subject of his own list in the future. Tom Hanks is so funny to me because the most generic sounding name, he's, you know, I won't say generic, but just like a normal looking dude. It's not very controversial. Right. Not controversial. He's kind of just normal everywhere you look, but he's like this megastar, America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whatever. Good for him, I guess. He's our dad. Thanks for giving us COVID though. All right. Wow. I only have three out of six. So help me out here. So the remaining four on the list, three of the four are like as the same recognition level as Tom Hanks. Tom Cruise. No, Tom. I don't know if Tom Cruise has ever hosted. I don't know if he's capable of that. He does seem like someone whose management team has to like meticulously, strategically manage his appearances. Yeah, I think that's too free form for Mr. Cruise. <laughs> oh, Bill Murray. No, Bill Murray has not... I don't know. Oh, Bill Murray. I'm sorry. Bill Murray is on the list. He is one of, I guess there are eight that are tied for number eight, not seven. He is also tied for eighth place with five total appearances. So he is on the list. He is a five in the five timers club, but he is not in our list of the top six. He has not hosted since February 20th, 1999. Wow. Bruce Willis. No, Bruce Willis is not on this list. Let me, let's, uh, let's concentrate on uh, number five. Okay. Because number five is the one who is not a dramatic actor. He is... Pee Wee Herman. No, he is pretty much strictly a comedic actor. And he's the only one of the remaining actors on the list 
who is also a former Saturday Night Live cast member. Is it? Okay. I'm not sure if this guy's SNL. I actually think he's maybe not. Uh, David Spade? No, David Spade was a Saturday Night Live cast member. This is someone who's more high profile and has made more successful films than David Spade. And he's older. <sighs> this is someone whose most successful movies came in the mid to late 80s. I know. I'm going to slap myself in the head when I hear it. I just cannot think of it. Give me some more clues. He's known for being difficult to work with. Difficult to work with. The most recent thing he was known for was being a part of an ensemble sitcom. And he left after the fourth season, partially due to conflicts with the series creator and showrunner. I just, I'm, I'm not getting it. Who is it? Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Fucking Jesus Christ. See? I knew it. <laughs> yeah, sure did. Chevy Chase is number five on the list. He has eight appearances as host on Saturday Night Live. His first was February 18th, 1978, which is after he was a cast member for the first year. Then he left, uh, but he did come back to host. That first appearance being in February 78. Yeah, the most recent time that he has hosted was in 1997. He's not on my mind because I've just never been a big Chevy Chase fan. Yeah, I kind of like stuff he did back in the day. And I will mention something uh, way more recent that you could watch if you wanted to enjoy how funny he really still is. So Chevy Chase, eight-time host of Saturday Night Live, was born Cornelius Crane Chase. Ugh. He was born in the Lower Manhattan, in Lower Manhattan in New York City, October 8th, 1943, to a prominent New York family. His father, Ned, was a Manhattan book editor and magazine writer. His mother, Kathleen, was a concert pianist and a librettist, which I had to learn what a librettist is. There's someone who writes librettos, uh, which is Italian for booklet. It's the text that accompanies and is used in extended musical work, such as an opera, an oratorio, or a musical or the storyline of a ballet. Hoity-toity uppity shit. Grew right? up hoity-toity upper middle class. He attended Haverford College, where he was noted for slapstick comedy and absurd sense of physical humor including his signature pratfalls and, quote, sticking forks into his orifices. Sticking forks into his orifices? I think he was sticking a fork up his ass and everybody was like, in 1963, this is some slapstick comedy. Yeah, fuck. This is like in school he did this? This was in college. Now, in college. he originally went to go to medical school, but he decided not to go to medical school. But this is also when the military draft for Vietnam was in full effect. So because he didn't enter medical school, he was subject to the military draft. He was not drafted, though. He appeared uh, in 1989 as the first guest of the late-night Pat Sajak show. So for a while there in 1989, they were like, let's give fucking Pat Sajak a late-night show. Why not? <sighs> Chevy Chase was the first guest, and in this appearance, he said that he convinced his draft board that he deserved a 4F classification by falsely claiming, among other things, that he had homosexual tendencies. Chevy Chase said this. Yeah. Now, a lot of people get shit for dodging the draft. I'm not one of those people who gives that. I would have dodged the fucking draft any way I could. I think if you were drafted and served, you deserve all of the respect and gratitude for doing that. But I also believe if you were like, I don't want to go to Vietnam and I'm going to lie so I don't have to, I 100% respect that too. He was cast as one of the original members of Saturday Night Live, which premiered in October 75. During the first season, he introduced every show except for two with Live from New York, It's Saturday Night. Chevy Chase was also the original anchor for the weekend update segment of Saturday Night Live. And his catchphrase introduction, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not, became well known. Now, I liked this little story leading up to an insult from Johnny Carson. So, in 1975, Saturday Night Live kicks off and New York Magazine ran a cover story calling Chevy Chase the funniest man in America. And NBC executives referred to him as the first real potential successor to Johnny Carson, which might have come as a fucking surprise to Johnny Carson. Yeah. And they claimed that he would begin guest hosting The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson within six months of the article. Chevy Chase dismissed those rumors that he would be the next Johnny Carson, and he told New York Magazine, I'd never be tied down for five years interviewing TV personalities. Johnny Carson later said of Chevy Chase, 
He couldn't ad lib a fart after a baked bean dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Which is fucking hilarious. I disagree with, and again, I'll let you know what I saw um, more recently where I I think he could ad lib that fart, but I wanted to tell all of that just to get to Carson's insult. (laughs) That's an epic burn though. Yeah. So, the highlight of his career in the 80s, as far as my opinion goes, uh, are his movies Caddyshack, National Lampoon's Vacation, Mm -hmm. Fletch. He is the other actor to appear alongside Steve Martin and Martin Short in Three Amigos. That sitcom I mentioned that he left more recently, he left Community uh, after the fourth season due to criticisms of the quality of the show not getting along with the creator Dan Harmon, and also disliking his character's bigotry. Which I do feel Chevy Chase is a pretty like liberal left-leaning guy, and his character Pierce on that show said really awful racist and... As comedy? Yeah, yeah, it was a joke. He was playing a character, but his character was an asshole. His character was, was almost like a, another version of Chevy Chase. But you didn't want to play this guy who was a funny but a real piece of shit. Like you. Yeah, he said he prefers to do family-oriented movies, and he turned down roles in several films, including the lead in American Beauty. Huh. He also turned down the role of Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. Wow. His agent greatly advised him against doing the project. He didn't want to turn it down as he was interested in the project. The role went to Tim Allen. What agent could possibly have any reason to not do that? This is Disney in the 90s. It's not like Disney in the fucking I don't know whatever. if Pixar was owned by Disney. Maybe Pixar was already owned by Disney in the 90s, but like... I'm not sure. I know it was the first big Pixar film, and this was the first big like all CGI animated film, but like how was it a risk? It came out in 95. The voice work for it was probably done 94, 95. And he hadn't made a good movie in like, I don't know, three years. Do you want to know what he did in 95? Man of the house. I saw that. It sucked. It stars Jonathan Taylor Thomas and a bunch of like whiny little pussy kids. Whiny little pussy kids. And Chevy Chase. Also, Vegas Vacation was not long after that and it flopped at the box office. Yeah, it was not good. So like, I don't know. He fucked up. I don't know why anyone would advise that. Yeah. I wonder how different that'd be. A fucking, it's hard to imagine Buzz without Tim Allen's voice. Although Tim Allen is fucking now an, ass, is an asshole. Tim but a real handful on his own. But I do like how... He does that character How really confidently well. stupid Buzz Lightyear is. Mm-hmm. Chevy Chase admitted in an interview that the comments and the jokes that were directed at him during his 2002 roast legitimately hurt him. <sighs> okay. As well, soon as the roast was over, he returned to his hotel room was depressed about it. He was sobbing most of the night. He had to be consoled by roast master Paul Schaefer. Chevy Chase's roast has been noted by fans and critics alike for being particularly mean-spirited, even by the standards of a roast. Which is probably a lot of people giving know. back what he had been giving over the years. Uh, he was banned from hosting Saturday Night Live in 1995 due to his abusive behavior to the cast and crew when he guest-hosted although he has made cameo appearances since. What I read uh, earlier was that he slapped Sherry O'Terry in the back of the head. Oh, my God. When I was scrolling through was Wikipedia, I also saw that he was in a fight with Bill Murray yeah. on, I think, the set of Saturday Night Live. He came to fisticuffs. I think he made a comment about Bill Murray's acne scars, hmm. and Bill Murray called him a medium talent, and then they started tussling. Dude, I would take Bill Murray over... Chevy Chase like 100 times out of 100. Agreed. And my last note on Chevy Chase here. Within the last few years, I did see an appearance of his where he was really funny and he did ad lib and he was interesting. He was funny. It was an appearance on the Netflix series Norm MacDonald Has a Show. He's one of Norm's few guests on it and highly recommend checking it out. Was that ad libbing you mentioned after a baked bean dinner? As actually yeah, a big part of the show is they ate a shitload of baked beans at the beginning and then the last half is just... <laughs> <laughs> the last half is like the um, movie trailer for Jack Black's character in Tropic Thunder. I think they're called the fatties or something like yeah, that. Yeah, just constant squirty fart noises. <laughs> it's comedy. 
All right, you have three left, number six, number three, and number one. Yeah. All okay. of these are actors who are primarily dramatic actors, but are also known, obviously, if they have appeared on Saturday Night Live a lot, uh, for being talented comedic actors as well. Look, I, I'm not an SNL expert by any means. So the people I'm about to guess, it's possible they weren't even on SNL yeah. ever. So how about Brad Pitt? No Brad Pitt. Mel Gibson. <laughs> no Mel Gibson. <laughs> Yelling at his wife on the phone. Yeah, I don't think he's ever hosted. How about The Rock? I know he's the been Rock on The Rock has been on there. He is one of the ones tied for number eight. He is a five-timer. Okay. Uh, he's hosted five times. And now here's a list of those who are tied for number eight. For eighth position, with five hosting appearances each. Those are Justin Timberlake, Bill Murray, Melissa McCarthy, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jonah Hill, Will Ferrell, Candace Bergen, Ben Affleck. Oh, and Ben Affleck. He's the last one. Your boy. My boy Affleck. Have you DVR'd all of those Affleck appearances I've and never, watch them every weekend? I've never seen Affleck on Saturday Night Live. Surprising. Oh, oh well, I have a guess, but I'll, I'll hold it. Okay, so then those who are tied for number, for seventh place with six total hosting appearances are Scarlett Johansson, Elliot Gould, Tina Fey, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Which I've never seen any of those, but God damn it, now I want to. Yeah, same. Uh, but his most recent hosting appearance was in 99. I would love to watch. I want the most those. recent ones because yeah. he gets funnier as he gets older. He is the finest wine. And Drew Barrymore is the uh, last one on here with six total appearances at host. Her first appearance as host was November 20th, 1982. She must have, as after E.T., I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, hopefully they kept her away from, uh, what's his name? From Buck Henry's uh, sketch. <laughs> yeah. Remember the pedophile babysitter? Yeah. Okay, so... You have number six, number three, and number one. Again, all dramatic actors. Do you want me to... Let me... Uh... How about Matt Damon real quick? No, no Matt Damon. Although I think that's a good guess. Thanks. All of these guys are older than Matt Damon. Arnold. Now, I don't know if Arnold has ever hosted Saturday Night Live. Alec Baldwin. Yes. Alec Baldwin is number one on the list. I fucking knew it. It's because of the Trump impersonation. They like having him on, right? Well, they do like having him on. However, he joined the Five Timers Club as long ago as 1994. He has 17 total appearances as host on Saturday Night Live. Alec Baldwin is number one on this list. Wow. He was born Alexander Ray Baldwin III, <laughs> April 3rd, 1958. He has three younger brothers, Daniel, Billy, and Stephen, who are also actors. But none of them were in Boss Baby like Alec was. Right. None of those were Boss Babies. Now, I mentioned he's a political activist. He's also a philanthropist or full-on rapist if you're, uh, Whoa. if you're not reading that carefully. He's a philanthropist. Uh, Baldwin, along with his mother Carol, created the Carol M. Baldwin Cancer Research Fund. During his 2010 to 2013 stint, as a spokesperson for Capital One, Baldwin's contract was written to fund his charity foundation. He was paid $15 million over nearly five years after taxes and accounting fees. The remainder, $14.125 million, was given to charity. But at some point, Samuel L. Jackson took over and he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> no. So he also had a high-profile marriage to Kim Basinger. They married in 1993. And they had a daughter named Ireland, uh, who was born in 1995. Now, he separated with Kim Basinger in 2000, and they divorced in 2002. And they had a high-profile divorce. It seems like his view of the situation has changed over time. So, it seems like during the uh, time of his divorce, he called the attorneys uh, in the divorce case opportunist. He characterized... Kim Basinger's psychologist as part of the divorce industry. He faulted them more than Kim Basinger, and he wrote, in fact, I blame my ex-wife least of all for what has transpired. She's a person, like many of us, doing the best she can with what she has. The divorce industry. Right. I mean, there is a divorce industry, especially around like wealthy Los Angeles, New York types. I'm sure that the bloodsuckers come mm -hmm. out from all over the place to take a piece of that. 
So they have a you know high profile divorce. Sure, divorce stressful anyway. Uh, so add all that additional stress of being a multimillionaire in the public eye. He continued that after seven years of all of these issues, he hit a breaking point. On April 11th, 2007, he left an angry voicemail message in response to another unanswered arranged call. So yeah, it was supposed to be set up that he called his daughter a certain time to talk to her and she didn't answer. And so he left a voicemail in which he called his 11-year-old daughter a rude, thoughtless little pig. Oh. Which, like... Yikes. Right. It's Well, yikes in terms, yes, it's a bad thing to say, but like... Not all, but most parents at some time have been angry and upset about something, either yeah. with the child or just... Not me. No, yeah, and said something that they regretted. Okay. Rude, thoughtless little pig. In fact, it's just the pig part because... Just, <laughs> yeah. just if, we started the show with pig, remember? Right, if he just said your behavior was rude and thoughtless. If he said rude, thoughtless little girl, no one would have batted an eye. It was the word pig. Is she chubby? No, I don't know why he said pig. Couldn't imagine, but um, obviously he is. Maybe like, it was a compliment. Little pig is cute. It is kind of cute. People love Peppa Pig. Babe. Babe the pig, yep. Piglet. So he contends that, that that voicemail tape was sold to TMZ, which released the recording. I mean, I fucking heard it. So yeah, it was sold and released despite laws against publishing media related to a minor without the permission of both parents, which makes sense. Yeah. TMZ is like the trash. Yeah. Like he admitted that he made a mistake and he asked not to be judged as a parent based on a bad moment, which I'm sure that there's someone listening to this who's going to be like, oh yeah, you're doing a lot of apologizing for Alec Baldwin. But I do think he is a dickhead. He has a big ego. Like he's probably not the easiest to like work with or get along with, but he got a lot of shit for like this one tiny comment. He later admitted to Playboy in June 2009 that he contemplated suicide over the voicemail that leaked to the public. Of the incident, he said, I spoke to a lot of professionals who helped me. If I committed suicide, she, Kim Basinger, would have considered that a victory. Destroying me was their avowed goal. So wow. <laughs> he went from saying his wife is just a normal person doing the best she can to saying she... <laughs> It would have been a victory. As an agent of Satan. Yeah, she, her avowed goal was to destroy him. Now, another incident. December 2011, Baldwin was on American Airlines flight at LA International. He was playing words with friends on his phone while waiting for takeoff. When he was instructed to put away the electronic device by a flight attendant, he reportedly became belligerent and was eventually <laughs> removed from the plane. I love going zero to ten belligerent. <laughs> The story makes it sound that way, that he was from one second to the next. Yeah. Up in her face, screaming red face. Because, because he was in an important game of words with friends. Yeah. Did you even stop to ask who the friend was? <laughs> you know who I am? Now, lastly, he impersonated Republican nominee and later President Donald Trump during Saturday Night Live's coverage of 2016 presidential election. He received critical acclaim and won a primetime Emmy Award for his portrayal of Trump, which, granted, it was funny. It looks like Trump. We all like having a good laugh at what a dumbass dickhead he is. But I know some people were like, oh, so you gave a primetime Emmy to this guy who's like just doing this as like a lark or a goof, mm -hmm. as opposed to all these people who put a lot of time and work and effort into, you know, it just makes, makes it clear that like part of the primetime Emmy is, is like... Well, of course. Yeah, there is a, like a liberal agenda to, you know, stick it to Trump, which I, I get it. Any chance you get to fucking poke him in the face, I take it. But so what you're saying is you voted for Trump in the 2020 election. That's exactly what I said. I'm still trying to stop that steal. Yeah. So that's Alec Baldwin. He's number one on the list with 17 appearances as host. Never would have guessed that he's that high. So the, the last two, I got to admit, these are probably, I mean, you know, these guys, you know, these actors. These are probably not on your radar as Saturday Night Live hosts, but I have a clue for the one ranked number six that I think will help a lot. Number six, dramatic actor, started in probably, I think, the early 70s, maybe most famous during that time for the deer hunter. Zac Efron. <laughs> no. He has a very unique way of speaking. Oh, it's uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Yes, of course. I should have known that. 
That's six? Yeah, Christopher Walken is number six with seven host appearances. I also had have a lot of interest and affection for Christopher Walken, and he was also a lot of fun to research here. Christopher Walken was born Ronald Walken, which I meant Chris Walken is an improvement on that. Ronald Walken, March 31st, 1943, in Astoria, Queens, New York. He is an American actor who's appeared in more than 100 films and television programs. His most notable roles on, roles on Saturday Night Live include record, record producer D. Bruce Dickinson in the More Cowbell sketch, which was funny at first, but was just now it's overkill. driven yeah. straight into the ground. Uh, the disgraced Confederate o- officer Con- <laughs> Colonel Angus, <laughs> which is one of the... F- See, now that's funny. That is one of the few more recent sketches that I have seen and made me laugh. Yeah. Colonel Angus. They all say it with a real exact, like, exaggerated southern accent. Now, some interesting facts about old Christopher Walken. Now, you'll notice in a lot of what I've covered here today, I did not cover, like, extensively their work in film and television outside of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I tried to keep it to how they uh, were involved with Saturday Night Live and some of the more interesting personal parts of their lives. Mostly because I think a lot of these may deserve their own top 10 list one day in which we would get into uh, more of their work. And Christopher Walken is one of those guys. He's super interesting. So I didn't want to burn through all my good Christopher Walken stuff here, but I got a lot of good stuff. When he was 15, a girlfriend showed Christopher Walken a magazine photo of Elvis Presley. And Walken later said, I wish I could do a Walken impression. I don't think I can do it. He said, this guy looked like a Greek god. (laughs) <laughs> then I saw him on television. I loved everything about him. He changed his hairstyle to imitate Presley and has not changed it since. That's one of the things he is known for, his unique manner of speaking. Yeah. And he, he has a big pompadour. He has a big, beautiful, thick, poofy quaff of hair. I'm sure he'll be first in line to see that Tom Hanks movie, Elvis. As a teenager, he worked as a lion tamer in a circus. I know. I remember you, we've covered this before sometime. And that's like, if you never do anything else again, that's an that's interesting story. Life. Right. Yeah. So I did dive into a little bit more of the interview where this came up to get a little bit more information on his time as a lion tamer. He described the lion as, quote, like a dog. Really? And he, Christopher Walken replied, well, when I said she was like a dog, she was. You could pet her and she would rub her head on you. Oh, God. I would come into the cage and wave my whip. And she'd kind of get, kind of lazily get up and sit like a dog and maybe give a little bit of a roar. So it sounds like an older, pretty chill female lion. Yeah. The reporter goes on to ask, of all the help wanted ads, what compelled you to respond to that one? He says, it just looked too good to pass up. I like cats a lot. I've always liked cats. They're great company. (laughs) When they eat, they always leave a little bit at the bottom of the bowl. A dog will polish the bowl, but a cat always leaves a little bit. It's like an offering. That's the quote? What, what the fuck does that have to do with the lion? Just such an interesting guy. He, it looked too good to pass up. I like cats a lot. I can relate to that though. I mean, you guys are on the same path so far. Uh, he initially trained as a dancer at the Washington Dance Studio before moving on oh to God. dramatic stage roles and then film. And you might remember some of his dancing no. From the late 90s Fat Boy. Did you not see that video in the late 90s, a Fat Boy Slim video for the song Weapon of Choice? No. And it's just Christopher Walken dancing the entire time. And you would not think that a video just of a middle-aged or older man in a suit dancing would be entertaining. And it is, it's definitely one of my favorite videos. I suggest you check it out later. I'm going to check it out. Also appeared in The Dead Zone. Stephen King uh, film based on a Stephen King book. As a kid, he really stood out to me in Batman Returns. He became the subject of a hoax controversy in 2006 when a fake website started in August of that year by members of the internet forum genmei.com announced that he was running for president of the United States. Some believed it was authentic until Walken's publicist dismissed those claims. Then in September of 2006, He appeared on Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien asked him about it. Christopher Walken said he was amused 
And then Conan O'Brien asked him to come up with some campaign slogans for his presidential run. And Christopher Walken's uh, campaign slogans were, what the heck? (laughs) I don't know if it's what the heck a question or it's probably more like, what the heck? Like, uh, what do you got to lose? Yeah. And his other campaign slogan is, no more zoos. No more zoos? I don't know. Something about zoos. He's, He's fucking sick of it. We got to get rid of these zoos. I love the idea of a legit presidential candidate, like their entire platform is something so stupid and ultra specific. (laughs) Okay. You got one left. Your last host in the five timers club and beyond has hosted 13 times. He's number three on the list. I will say I love this actor. He is in one of my, this is a good clue he's in my top two favorite movies of all time. Hmm. His first appearance as host of Saturday Night Live was December 2nd, 1989. Most likely it was connected with a sitcom that he had started uh, appearing in. And his most recent hosting appearance was December of 2013. Don Knotts. Not Don Knotts. Oh, fuck. Okay, so your top two. I know The Shining's one of your top two favorites and it's not that one. It's not The Shining. What's your other top two? My other favorite film... Oh, the latest Space Jam with LeBron (laughs) James. My other favorite film is The Big Lebowski. It's Jeff Bridges. It is not Jeff Bridges. Oh, it's uh, it's John Goodman. John Goodman. Yes. When I think SNL host, John Goodman admittedly does not spring to mind, but he's hosted 13 times. I don't think he's sprung, period, in his whole life, but yes. Gets me sprung. John Stephen Goodman was born June 20th, 1952. Uh, He's an American actor. He played Dan Connor on the ABC TV series Roseanne from 1988 to 1997, and then again shortly in 2018, for which he won a Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in 93. He is a regular collaborator with the Coen brothers. He's appeared in such films of theirs as Raising Arizona, Barton Fink, The Big Lebowski, and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Goodman was born in Afton, Missouri. His father, Leslie Francis Goodman, was a postal worker who died of a heart attack when John was two years old. Hmm. Was Roseanne his breakthrough? Was he really known before that? No, he was not known before that. In fact, I'll give you a little bit about some of his... uh, His first television appearance was a Burger King commercial in which he had no lines. He only had to bite into a Whopper sandwich with glee. Well, fuck, that probably wasn't hard for him to do. That's not hard for anybody to do. That's true. Good Whopper sandwich is flame broiled. Right. He married Annabeth Hartzog, who's also from, who's from Louisiana. He grew up in Louisiana, I think. And he married Annabeth. They currently reside in the Garden District of New Orleans. So he's still a New Orleans guy. And he bought his home in New Orleans from Trent Reznor. Oh, God. Talk about two very different people with two very different lives. see them like Trent handing over the keys. Yeah. Uh, so, he, um, he has been open about his struggles with alcoholism, although he has been sober since 2007. In October 2012, he stated, if I'd picture in my mind a drink, basically think if he thought of it, usually straight out of the bottle, I couldn't not do it. He noted that while acting in plays, he would have the shakes so bad that he'd have to get a drink to get through the show. He says he's lucky he never got fired. Wow. As I mentioned, he's been sober since 2007. Goodman tries to attend an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting every morning. Every morning? Yeah. Wow. There are a lot of people who have been in it, been sober for like decades who just, they, that's how hard they stay on it. They keep on it. It becomes a routine that keeps them. Keeps them in it, keeps them on the, uh, on the wagon. Hmm. He revealed on an episode of Inside the Actor Studio that of all the projects he has worked on, The Big Lebowski in 1988 is his favorite. Huh, what, what year was that when he said that? I'm not sure. It had to be just a few years after. I wouldn't be surprised if that was still the answer. He pops up in a lot of random things. Like he was in that Cloverfield Lane movie Mm -hmm. like four or five years ago and he was really good in that. Really good in it. Yeah. He was also Fred Flintstone in the 90s. Well, he and I was going to say one of my notes here, he was such a good, like a perfect fit for Fred Flintstone. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
not only does he look like the physical embodiment of a very simple cartoon character, he like has the presence and the stature and the voice to carry it. But like, I don't know. I know the Flintstones is kind of a silly, like kind of throwaway thing, kind of a gimmick thing. Like, oh, they're going to make a movie out of it. But like, he's really good in it. He was so crucial to that feature film version that the project would have just been shelved if he turned down the role of Fred Flintstone. He's perfect. For if it. he didn't do it. I just watched just... it recently with my kids. Yeah. It's not bad. My last note on him is you might vaguely remember he played Coyote Ugly, which in the early 2000s. Yes. So I was in college in the early 2000s and every girl I knew loved the movie Coyote Ugly. I guess on some level, they all wanted to be like the cute party girl at the bar. Well, I grew up with two older sisters. Probably watched so it a I, bunch. I watched yeah. the movie several times. Yes. Yeah, I've seen it a few times as well. He plays the father in it. At some point, I don't know if it was inside the actor studio or uh, in another interview, someone just asked him about Coyote Ugly. And this is his quote on Coyote Ugly out of context. For the money. Honest to God, that's the only reason I did it. <laughs> you know, we all like to imagine our actors being like, you know, it's their passion, it's their mm-hmm. art form. They really put a lot of thought and they care and they pick the projects that mean the most to them. But sometimes you just got to fucking take the shitty role that you know is going to be an easy payday. I'm pretty sure he had like such a small part in the movie overall that like, they were willing to pay him a bunch. It probably only take him like, I don't know, a few days, maybe a week to film all of his scenes. Oh, yeah. But he was going to make a big payday and he's sort of, um, you know, he's adding marketability to the movie. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. They got uh, their money's worth, I assume. Oh, yeah. Now, they, I still don't know why you saw this movie, by the way. Because girls that I were hanging around were watching this movie. Were those girls Tom Hanks and whatever the fuck in uh, women's clothing? Yeah. It was Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari in drag. <laughs> All right, so Just to be clear, I'm not going to run us through the whole full list again, but I'm going to once again take us through our seven members of the elite status. Number six on the list was Christopher Walken with seven host appearances. Number five is Chevy Chase with eight. Tied for number four are Tom Hanks and Buck Henry, both America's dads, uh, with 10. Number three was John Goodman with 13 host appearances. Number two, Steve Martin with 15 and number one, Alec Baldwin with 17 host appearances on Saturday Night Live. Well, what a list. And, you know, just like Christopher Walken needs more cowbell, I think we need more podcast reviews. Let's close out with a few reviews. You ready? I got to have them. I've got a fever. The first one is, I guess you took the time to create a new burner Apple podcast account because Uh this review comes from someone who says they're called Diane the Great. And it just says, Brandon is the best and in all caps, Nick is mean. (laughs) I agree. I am the best. Nick is mean. It's not mean, but I dig it. Yeah. Did you do that from your phone or from your computer or from a friend's phone? I don't know. Did you take the time? I don't know how to set up. Honestly, so these reviews come from Apple, right? Yeah. Yeah. I only have one Apple login. I don't know. I'm sure I could create another one, but I don't know how to do that. Is anyone buying it? I don't know. Brandon is the best. Nick is mean. All right. Thanks for the review. I guess Diane the Great. The next one comes from Chop Man on Apple Podcasts. A really above average podcast. (laughs) Each week, the Tennis Podcast goes over a top 10 list dealing with a wide variety of topics like murder methods, deadliest animals, deadliest jobs, deadliest cults, deadliest dictators, deadliest serial killers, and of course, Don Knotts. A great listen and a good back library to binge. Highly recommended. Thank you. That was was a legitimately sweet and good, nice review. So thank you for it. But I don't know why it made me laugh. Above average made me laugh. Being above average is good, but... It is good, yeah. Something about like the temperance of above average (laughs) made me laugh. Thank you for that. Yeah, thanks for the reviews. And if you want me to read yours, just write a review and I'll read it. Although I encourage you to... To shit on me. Yeah, shit on Brandon next time. It's always more fun for everyone in that case. Brandon, do you have any closing thoughts for us? Well, we're in summer, so Saturday Night Live is not airing right now. Yeah, great timing with this. Yeah, I can make 
I can make a strong, firm commitment that when Saturday Night Live begins to air their, I don't know, what, do you, what would this be? Their like 40-something season, I will not watch an episode. That's your commitment? <laughs> I'm going to commit Great. to not watching any of the 2021-22 Saturday Night Live season. Great. Well, I will join you in that commitment. I encourage our listeners to do the same. Let's put SNL out of business Wait. this year. Let me make one exception. If Martin Short hosts... Or Danny DeVito. Martin Short or Danny DeVito host, I will not only watch it, I will help promote it. What if I host? I will not help promote it. I <laughs> but would, watch, you would watch it. But I would not promote it. <laughs> Great. I like how I say help promote. <laughs> like Martin Short and Danny DeVito are like sweating the amount of like viewers it's going to get. And they happen to go on Twitter and see that I retweeted it to my like 200 followers. And they're like... <sighs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Breathe easy. It's going to be okay, everyone. Uh, well, speaking of those 200 followers, follow Brandon at Sidekick Host on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at The TheNickAmel. You can follow the Tennis Podcast at Tennis Pod on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. And you can also discuss this episode with other listeners on the listener run subreddit at Tennis Pod. Till next week, I'll be back with episode 141's top tennis list. I appreciate you listening, everyone but Diane the Great, who I do not appreciate you listening. Thanks, Diane. You're great. See you next week. Bye. Bye.